In our morning services, we've been following a series called The Heart of Jesus. And we've uh, begun the year with that desire to know Jesus better. To go deeper in our relationship with Jesus, to walk more closely with him. And, and running up to Easter, we looked at key moments in the life of Jesus, as well as looking deeper into aspects of his heart that maybe we look over because um, sometimes we, we don't take the time. I, I read the Bible in one year, and it's a big chunk to read every day, and you, you don't always slow down enough to read things carefully, and you have to go back over them again. And we have discovered that Jesus, if we didn't know already, is good news. He's good news for the discouraged, the frustrated, the weary, the disappointed, the cynical, the empty, the broken, the hungry, the faithful, the joyful, and the expectant. And we've used the verses from Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30, as that sort of base for our series where Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So today I'm looking at an aspect of Jesus as our advocate. Jesus, our advocate. When John Wesley first left home, his mother, Susanna, is said to have written in the flyleaf of the Bible that she gave to him, and only a mother can write this kind of thing, sin will keep you from this book. But this book will keep you from sin. She was expressing what the psalmist writes in Psalm 119, verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And today's passage comes from one of John's letters. John, one of the first disciples, he was there at the cross when Jesus died. He was an eyewitness to the resurrection. He wrote a gospel. He wrote the book of Revelation. And he wrote three letters. And he writes his letters to believers, dear children whom he loves, to encourage them to walk more closely with Jesus. So today's passage, if you want to follow it in your own Bible, it'll be on the screen as well, is from 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 to chapter 2, verse 2. John writes, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, 
we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. I don't know if you noticed it, the word advocate. I'd read that passage many times, and I've not really focused on it before. In this passage, John writes and speaks of Jesus as our advocate. If you look up advocate in the dictionary, it's one who pleads the case of another, if you're familiar with the law courts or law things. One who speaks in our defense. And a few weeks ago, we looked at Jesus, our intercessor. The intercessor stands between two parties, mediates between them. He prays for one. An advocate doesn't simply stand in between two parties, but steps over and joins the one party as he approaches the other. And there is a significant difference there. Jesus is not just our intercessor, although he is. He is our advocate, one who stands and speaks in our defense. We know that the gospel of Jesus Christ is good news. That's what gospel means. And it's based on grace. Salvation is by faith alone. We cannot earn it. We do not deserve it. We just receive it by faith in Jesus Christ. Not about your performance, not about my performance, but the New Testament message of grace is not morally indifferent. Paul was often accused of his message about grace, oh, that what grace means is you can just do what you like and then you just cash in your grace. In Romans 6, he says, shall we go on sinning that grace may abound? No, he says. Because when Jesus gets hold of our heart, we want to live differently. The fruit of the Spirit begin to emerge. So the gospel actually calls us to leave our sin behind. When we're baptized as believers in Christ, we are that symbol of washed clean and we're leaving the old behind. We are a new creation in Christ. The old has gone, the new has come. We throw off those things that seek to hinder us. We wage war against sin. And John writes to the believers, encouraging them to leave sin. Like the writer to the Hebrews in Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. John writes, dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. And if that was his only message, it would be valid, but it would crush me. And it might crush you as well. Because I know how sinful I am. I don't need just exhortation 
I need liberation. And we have that in Jesus. He is Christ, our King, God the Son, but He is also Savior and friend. Matthew 1.21 describes the birth of Jesus and His name. His name was given by heaven. Mary and Joseph didn't say, well, what should we call him? What's the latest? Is it Fred? Heaven gave the name Jesus. God the Son, who had been there from the very beginning, when he is born, incarnate, Jesus, Savior. He will save his people from their sins. Jesus came to save us from our sins. So he is not just over us as Lord, but he is next to us. And as an advocate, he is with us. Because the good news goes on when John says, I write this that you might leave sin. He says, but if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Because John knows that sin is still present in believers. We are changed. We are different than we were. We are new creations, and actually the world notices that. I was speaking with Edward just this past week. He's had week-long celebrations of his birthday. And there was one occasion where there was lots of his sort of church friends with his family and others. And actually his family, who were not yet believers, noticed there was a difference between those who were believers and those who were not. And you and I would not have noticed any difference. Because he's probably talking about you. But there was a difference. We are different. We're supposed to be different. We're called to be different. I want to be different. But I'm not always different. And neither are you. John knows that there will be occasions of defeat in regard to sin in every Christian's life. So he writes, but if anybody does sin, imagine reading that letter. What good news is this? We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And the Greek word that he uses as advocate is parakletos. I know Edward's the one who normally brings Greek words to you, but as he's away... Here's a Greek word for you, parakletos. Some of you may recognize the word. Anyone think, that's familiar, I've heard that before. No? Yeah, okay. It's used five times in the New Testament, and the other four are found in John's Gospel in chapters 14 to 16, each time referring to the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit. Parakletos is difficult to translate. It carries so much meaning, as many Greek words do. 
And to capture the meaning of this word with just one English word is really difficult. So if you read different translations of the New Testament, you will see different translations, whether it's helper, counselor, comforter, companion, alongside one. But the idea is this, of the word, is that it is someone who stands on behalf of another. And perhaps the closest word in English that we get is advocate. John goes on to say that this advocate, Jesus, is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And that word that he uses there is more of a legal term, propitiation. That what Jesus did for us is a legal term. We are made right with God through what he does. He turns away the wrath of God against sin because God is holy and perfect. And he dies for our sins. And what he is becomes ours, and he takes our sin upon himself. So Jesus, our advocate, stands in our defense. And he is for anyone, everyone who believes, Jesus is your advocate. Right now, you have someone speaking in your defense speaking on your behalf. And he is able to save us because he is righteous, perfect, holy. Even our best efforts on our own are like filthy rags. Because it depends who you compare yourself to. Before I was a Christian, although I was brought up in the church, I didn't think I was a sinner. I actually only really discovered how sinful I was when I met Jesus. Because I compared myself with those who I thought, if you were to ask me before I was a Christian who was a sinner, I could have given you a list. And oddly, I was not on the list. But when I became a Christian and invited Jesus into my life, I realized that I was one of the worst. But that he had saved me. That he had rescued me. That he had paid for it all. Even our best repenting is plagued with even more sin. To come to the Father without an advocate would be hopeless. To stand before God on our own merit would be futile. It may sound that this role of advocate is very similar to the intercessor, but I think there is a difference. The Bible says Jesus always lives to intercede for us. 
Intercession is something he is doing for us all the time. But when John writes, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate. So therefore, I interpret that as advocacy, as something he does when the occasion calls for it. So he intercedes given our general sinfulness. But he advocates for us in the case of specific sins. And there are times when we have to confess specific sins. To make ourselves accountable. And I think that's the key difference of an advocate. If you've never experienced when you know you've blown it and you say, oh, I'm sorry, got it. And you, you just name that specific thing. Jesus, your advocate, stands for you and speaks in your defense against the accuser who will accuse you call yourself a Christian. Jesus speaks in your defense at that moment and says, he or she is mine. I have paid it all. Sin, sadly, is not a thing of the past in any one of us. Its power is broken over us, that's for sure. You can resist sin, but we struggle. Its penalty is broken over you. If you are in Christ Jesus, power of it is broken, the penalty of it is broken, and one day the very presence of it will be gone. The Apostle Paul, when he writes to Timothy, describes himself as the worst of sinners. And some people like to think of that, well, that's he's reflecting on his life before he met Jesus. He persecuted the church. He had Christians killed. I don't think it is. I think he's writing to Timothy and he writes these letters quite late on in his life that the closer he walks with Jesus and he walked closely with Jesus, he realized that he is comparing himself to Jesus and not anybody else. That's the one thing that revealed it to me who I was. Compared to someone else, I might be okay, but compared to Jesus? But the good news is this, as Paul writes in Romans 8, Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit has gives life and sets you free from the law of sin and death. We have an advocate. And his forgiveness is greater than our sin. 
But as John encourages us in the same letter, just in those passages before, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Grace is scandalous. But it's the best news. I don't have to go through a list of things that might be your weakness or my weakness. Because we will know our weaknesses. And if you don't know your weakness, maybe ask the Lord to show you. But when we come and share communion, we come at Jesus' invitation. And maybe today, we just come and say, for specific things, we are sorry, God. And we want to turn away from those things. Yes, we are called to leave our life of sin, and no one is suggesting otherwise. but we know we all struggle. But we come before the God who loves us and is our advocate. And when Satan tempts us to despair, there's a line in a song we sometimes sing, we look up and see him there, the one who paid the price for all our sin. In fact, I would encourage us not just to look up, but run to him. He is the way. The good news, Jesus came and died for us that we might be forgiven. New creations in him. And that's not all. He rose from the dead for us death is defeated that's not all he ever lives to intercede for us that's not all he is our advocate he stands in our defense that's not all he's coming back for us we don't minimize our sin or excuse it away we have no excuses but we run to the savior who has given his all for us And we're going to share in this simple meal. And we're going to spend time with God this morning. Just coming before him, thanking him for his amazing grace. Confessing things that we need to just bring before him. He knows it already, but we need just to confess. And ask for those new hearts again. Shall we pray?